These lads are mental, recognises the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders, past and present, and value their continuing connection to lands, living culture, and integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home. Welcome to These Lads Are Mental. My name is Gary. And I'm Neil. And our podcast is a lighthearted approach to normalise mental health. But before we start today's show, please listen to our disclaimer. This show is just a group of opinions and is not to be treated as medical advice. If you are struggling with mental health, please speak to your physician or reach out to a service such as Lifeline. Thank you. On this week's episode, we have Nuala Diamantopoulos, the psychotherapist, author and artist. Noah is also known for her recent appearance as a psychologist on the groundbreaking show of ABC's Space 22. Let's get started. Well, welcome, Neil, to these Thank you. Mental. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Lovely to see you again, Neil, and lovely to meet you, Gary. You too, Noah. Pleasure. Well, Neil, you and I know each other, but I won't you know, give away any of the juicy bits, but maybe if you'd like to start off with a little bit of an introduction around yourself, maybe, who is Neil? Who is um, Nula? Who is Nula Diamantopoulos? Well done. Close? Done. No, perfect. Is it Diam or, D- or Diam? How do you... it is, it, it's, well, in English, it's Diam. Diam. Nula yeah. Diamantopoulos. So I've got a, I, it's really interesting because as you say that, I've just realized that I've got an I am in my, in my surname. One of the oh. most powerful statements you can say on the planet, I am. Wow. So be careful what you say after that. So in my case is Tapoulos. <laughs> <laughs> It's like die. I am yeah. like if you if you ever met Princess Diana, you could say right. you know, die. Right. I am yeah. to <laughs> <laughs> Well, you should put that I am in all your marketing. I mean, like is your book not I am. No, but you are as you are. You are. are. You yeah, are. But yeah. One of, that's that was funny, Gary. Yeah, I did a new <laughs> R on that one rather than an I am. And but one of my neon uh, artworks is I am. Oh. oh, nice. It's it's three three layers of uh, I am here, am I here, here I am. So it's just a play on space and time. And there's a there's a few layers to you, right? Judging by your bio, psycho- psychotherapist, author, artist, your background there is definitely the most colorful one we've had maybe on the show <laughs> yeah, tell us all about it uh, so all right from that perspective um because i studied bachelor of business and and law studies as well i didn't finish my law degree almost did and was an international tax advisor in the oil and gas industry that's where i began i have studied all my life i have studied from uh, i've studied all my life there's no other way of saying it and i continue to study and from that became an, an artist. So I've got a, I'm an exhibiting artist and a psychotherapist and an author and more and more and more adventures on the planet. And I'm about to launch, well, not about to launch, and now I'm launching into another realm, which is, you know, I think you guys know about the Because Movement, yep. which is about art and mental health. And that's my foundation. Last Sunday, I launched the Miracle Tree with people who've got lived experience. And it was a, it was phenomenal. It just blew me away, just surprised me to, you know, so much. But about me, so basically, I come with so many different lenses. So imagine sitting with a person like that. Not only me, there's other people who I'm sure who are therapists who've got um, different back backgrounds as well, because not everybody comes becomes a, a psychotherapist. 
from you know leaving high school but to be imagine having all of those different lenses coming at you <laughs> yeah i was thinking like with you in high school and you went in to meet the the guidance counselor and then like yeah you should be a psychotherapist and i think <laughs> normally it's like p teacher or yeah, lawyer or high school it teacher no it doesn't but there are some clues, you know, like when I look look at myself as a young person, as a, as a child, if I look at myself in the playground, I was first generation Australian and didn't go to, you know, didn't know how to speak English when I went to school. But I didn't know that I didn't know English. So that's another layer there because they would speak to me and I would just speak back. And I thought it was wonderful. Like I just intuited what they were saying to me. Right? <laughs> So there was no, I, I, because they was people have asked me, well, was that confusing? And I, no, I wasn't confused. I was. Very <laughs> I was oh, so, what well, you you heard English, but yes, and then I just uh, responded in Greek. In, in Greek, wow. Yeah. But yes. you just thought that was normal converse. Yeah, right? I didn't. I didn't have a. You know, it was like, and I think what was happening there was a lot of the gestural uh, communication, the nonverbal communication was present, and that was what I was tuning into. But also, uh, I do remember in the playground at primary school, all those other kids, the young, you know, that were not accepted by the Australians because we were going through a, a period of time in our history of uh, assimilation, like we weren't supposed to speak another language. They mm. thought that, that we, our brain couldn't handle that. My parents, by the way, spoke five languages. Wow. Anyway, and those people always were kind of in just a little nook in, in the playground and feeling sad, you know, just feeling the word I would have for it is like they were shrunken. So I would spend a lot of my time with them. And, and, and I had a very, I'm very, you know, extrovert type of person, I very playful, very creative and created all sorts of different things in the playground, created uh, theater sets with stones. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So that it was with it's been with me at all times and when I look as I move on as I get older and stuff and I have always been the person that likes to if somebody's confused about something like in the classroom or, or whatever I would become the teacher now that didn't mean that I was masterful <laughs> I was probably more of a smart ass I was like yeah I'll, I'll tell you what that means <laughs> like, you know, so that's followed me through even in my career as an international tax advisor you know became a mentor so you can see the the lineage of, you know, teacher, mentor, advisor. My role was an advisor, right? It's all aligned. So moving into psychotherapy is actually looking back on it a very natural thing for me. You know, I'd become and, a coach before that. And then yeah. going back to your high school or your primary school days, when was that in Australia? If you don't mind me asking, and like, what was Australia like? Because you know, was it a very different place to what we are? now which is very multicultural i'm irish gary's scottish you know we're a case in point what was australia like back then yeah it was very okay so when i just to put it in context when i was younger long hair long curly hair dark skin because i'm out in the sun a lot you know so i look also very different to all the to the community which is yeah to all the other kids and back in those days there was non-inclusiveness you know of people who looked different and to the point that it was also, you know, we talk about bullying today, it was definitely bullying back there. You know, I would get, I would be standing at attention in the assembly and someone would just randomly kick me, mm. you know, and there was a lot, or pull my hair, stuff like that, you know. And then it, it became, I remember there was a time that it was actually frightening 
because there was an incident where I pushed back on on a girl that had hit me you know just pushed back yeah her mum came to pick her up and she told her mum and then her mum got upset with me so now I'm scared I don't have any kind of like so I it was like I can't even do that because I'll get in trouble again right yeah it was interesting times when I look back on it and it's still to be honest with you those uh, times in my life are still unfolding for me because I'm starting to uh, spend a little bit of time reflecting on that because those are, are what we call lived experiences and whereas previously my attitude was well that's what made me who I am today you know look at that whatever suck it up <laughs> kind of attitude now it's a bit more take it in take in what you went through take in what your experiences were like do what you ask others to do you know, when they come to see you in clinical practice, you know, do that for yourself too and and honor your journey. And don't also now, you know, neglect that of yourself. You'd already been neglected. And the consequences of that is I end up neglecting myself. It's interesting with bullying, isn't it? Because Nula's got the most gorgeous curly hair. And, you know, <laughs> I can imagine when you're a kid, any kid, like if you have something, a feature that's slightly different, you're almost vilified for it when you're when you're yeah. younger. It's only when you grow older, when you realize, God, I, like I wouldn't change one piece of me. And you're, you're proud of who you are. But it's hard to do that when you're a seven year old on the on the schoolyard, right? Impossible. Impossible. Mm. And you don't have, you know, I didn't have a, my, both my parents were working. I didn't have a situation where anybody was, you know, was very, you know, grew up very independent. There was no being taken to school, being or dropped off or being picked up. It was, you know, very different. Yeah, you were kind of, you were on your own. When I was younger, I was bullied as well in school from my nose. And oh, right. people used to go like that to me. And then I used, right. they used to, because I have big eyes as well, I used to get that quite a lot. Yeah. And it's funny because sometimes you move past that as you grow older. And as you were saying, you know, you kind of suck it up and you're like, ah, you know, I probably built this thing of like, I'll show them. You know, <laughs> your, your whole life is built around trying to get back to that eight-year-old little fucker on the schoolyard that like called you that but it can catch up on you right when you yeah. get up there like and I think that's what actually happened to me there was a bullying thing in my life five years ago where it almost opened up that can of worms again which I thought was just gone but it wasn't it was really just dormant right do you yeah. see that a lot in the people that you work with that unresolved issues like that can come back to haunt you? Oh, most definitely, which is why, you know, I do the work on myself as well, not just, you know, I am equal to whoever comes, you know, to see me. And as I do the work on myself, I get a deeper understanding, not only of myself, but also of others and, and my compassion for others deepen. And and I'm able to explore with a, a, a really affectionate kind of sense of sitting with another not not because I went through it myself, but I can, my sensibilities are more awakened to it. It's not an attitude of, is that really an issue, for example, you know, yeah. of course it's an issue. What happens in childhood when the brain is still developing, it's, you know, we talk about neuroplasticity, well, it's being neuroplasticized. Is that a word, Gary? <laughs> Ooh, she has. <laughs> she has. Yeah. So it's it's being formed. It's being formed and it's taking in information at a subconscious level as well, which then impacts the way that we behave. And as adults, we're trying to rationalize because we've got a prefrontal cortex that's fully formed now. We try to rationalize our you know, responses or reactions without reflection. Like, well, it's because you said this, that's why I'm doing this and it's your fault. You know, we externalize it. 
But we need to, I mean, learning to reflect is a powerful tool to have on hand and to be able to sit with something for a moment and go, okay, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I don't really understand this right now. This is, this is something that is that I can feel that is disturbing, but I, I really want to spend some time to unfold that and figure it out, give, you know, time out for a moment or so. And then the question then becomes, well, how do you reflect? Well, it's going to bring you to the arts, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was very easy to start shifting the blame rather than you actually tackling what's actually going on with you. And I was going to ask, even with your title, the psychotherapist, we've not actually heard that. We've heard of psychologists, psychiatrists. Could you just explain maybe the, the difference between that? Yeah, so a psychologist does uh, a number of years uh, at university and knows how to diagnose, you know, uh, from the DSM-5, all of the mental health maladies which i really don't like any of those terms that i've just spat out but anyway <clears throat> and also does therapy and they they usually do uh, what's called cbt cognitive behavior therapy what we call talking therapy also known as a top-down approach which means that we're using our head to make changes to ourselves behaviorally trying to learn how to regulate our emotions how to think better more clearly you know etc things like that the psychotherapist has a different kind of training so their training is broader and isn't only a style you know cognitive or talking therapy a psychotherapist works with a with a person in a variety of different modalities and in my case somatic based which is working through the body which is called bottom up so we're using the body to affect change you know at the end of the day it's a brain you know we are a brain body that's not two words that's one word we are a brain body they're not separate and because talking alone is not going to resolve trauma traumas in the body so you can't will it away. You can get an understanding of it by talking about it. But when you want to process your trauma, process means to move it out of your system. Process means to have, uh, have it integrated within you because trauma are parts of us that are not integrated. They're things that have happened in the past that have not been able to be date stamped and filed away as the past so they're roaming rogue these memories are roaming rogue in us somatically and it's one of the uh, primary functions of the brain to keep us alive our survival so those little memories they're called implicit memories those little those memories hold all information that's sensory smells like looks like tastes like feels like sounds like doesn't have any language and then what happens is you find yourself in front of your boss for example and they there's a particular look that they give you the nervous system recalls that look as dangerous and triggers you and your heart starts racing for example it's one of yep. the things that could happen right so that's why I'm saying that it's not, you can't talk your way out of that. Part of working somatically is to identify the triggers, what's mm -hmm. going on with your body. And I call it reverse engineering. And then we use the body to inform the brain that everything is, that everything not only is okay, but to be able to process that memory so that it does become integrated, which means date stamped and filed away. It doesn't take the memory away, of course, yeah. 
but that charge that that memory gives us no longer has the negative effect that it that, used to that it used to yeah yeah i've heard someone else put it into another analogy of like you know the saber saber tooth tar- tiger that back in the you know thousands of years ago as humans like we needed that reaction because your life would literally be on the line like that quite regularly when you're out hunting for example so like if you did see a scary animal you had to go into fight or fly mode which is an adrenaline rush and and that's still ingrained in our dna but what's happened nowadays is that as you were saying you get a bad email from somebody that's the equivalent of the saber tooth tiger uh, scenario to our ancestors you know 10 20 000 years ago but our brains and bodies maybe haven't evolved as much to identify that that's actually not life-threatening but when you're in the throes of that <laughs> something is as trivial as an email it is different now it's not a, it's not as you know your saber-toothed tiger now is your boss mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure a lot of people could relate to that <laughs> yeah absolutely so you're talking about the reptilian brain so the brain's evolved in you know it's called the trium brain that it's got the reptilian which is the brain stem it's the mammalian, which is in the middle part of the brain, and then it's the neocortex. So the reptilian, which was only, in, that's the only thing that was in existence right at the beginning. Absolutely, if we were to survive, we had to be able to outrun something, to outfight something. So that's your, you know, fight, flight. Or, and, and by the way, we don't choose this. This is another thing that's very interesting about, uh, about these adaptive responses to survival. We don't choose them. The nervous system chooses it. This is out of our control. It shuts everything else down and changes our whole physiology, whether it's pumping blood to our extremities so that we can, you know, or adrenaline through us, you know, and and shuts down digestion. So it really moves all the energy to fight flight. The other one, of course, is freeze, which is like this, which is a really a contained kind of put all your energy to don't move. The reason for that one is, is that if they saw that saber tooth, you know, just on the other side of the bushes over there, that saber tooth is looking for movement. Mm. So it's like, don't even blink. And the other one that we have, which is uh, not as often spoken about, is when we dissociate, when we uh, play dead, for example, you know. And that one, the reason why we have that one is, is if the saber tooth finally caught up to us and our nervous system then shuts us all down we would have hardly any breath hardly any heartbeat for all intents and purposes we would seem dead to the saber the saber would come over and smell us and and go this is dead because you know sabers they're organic they don't eat dead food so they they go away wow i know so that would that does that look like let's say modern times people freeze yeah, freeze, but also like relationships, like kind of severing relations, self-sabotaging things. Is that how that kind of manifests today? Yeah, there's there's different kinds of things because we've got, well, it gets a little bit more complex than that because we've got then, um, um, you know, theories of attachment, you know, and whether we become... dependency and things like that. Yeah, avoidant, you know, and stuff like that, which we won't get into that because it gets a little bit like AMS. <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably, it's a good segue because... One of our uh, earlier questions was, you know, you and I met each other on ABC's groundbreaking documentary, Space 22. Last week, we had a few of the uh, participants on. We had Viv, Ray, and Tracy. And we had a good laugh there. Um, 
well, it was talking through the issues of mental health. Can you tell us what that was like for you? Obviously, you were involved from a your psychotherapist background and also the art because the show yeah. was about art yeah. therapy. I mean, what was that like for you going on the show? Was it exactly what you thought it was or did it really spark some new ideas or were you taken aback by how it all went down because it was really a first of its kind it's the first of its kind and it was both exciting and daunting you know it was like I loved you know the idea of it and I loved that you know I got selected I was like I was like oh my gosh yes definitely this is sorry uh, did you have to did someone approach you for that or did you? Yeah, put, oh, yeah okay. No, no, it, was, it just came out of the blue. I just had oh, a call it. Call. Yeah. yeah, I know. And I, it was from the BBC. And I'm like, and they were talking to me about this show. And it was Bev, actually, you know. Oh, yeah, Bev. Yeah. And, and they were talking Great about one. the show. And I'm like, I don't understand what you're talking about. But anyway, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Sign me up. <laughs> and then, you know, um, anyway, so, so. I got in and then when I arrived, it was very quick, the whole thing, you know, because I was towards the end, like you guys, I think were already selected. And mm. and when I, you know, arrived on set and everybody was beautiful and welcoming in any way up until that, up to and continuing, you know, throughout the whole experience. I remember saying to uh, Bev, okay, so, you know, what, what do you want me to say? Oh, just, just whatever comes naturally. Right? <laughs> mm. No like, pressure. <laughs> no pressure, right? And I'm going... So I didn't, I didn't have actually understand, you know, I know that it was an observational documentary. I didn't realize that you would be given no guidance whatsoever. Yeah. Zero. Like, there's no uh, script. There's no script. There's nothing. So then she would, I remember the first day too, like I'm there meeting that for the first time. We're talking and, you know, they bring us into the Space 22 set. We're sitting on that. Bench. Yeah. Kitchen bench. Kind of thing, no, yeah. not the bench, the stage. Oh, you know? the stage. Right. Yeah. The yeah. stage there. And they, and they said, okay, so people, we're going to be bringing in everybody, you know, one at a time and you're just going to welcome them in. Okay. So welcome them in. I'm looking at, you know, that welcome. Do you know how to welcome someone in? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> what do we do? Hi. Like, because it's also COVID. Do we handshake? Do we, yeah. you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Bearing so she, in mind that Nat Bass has like been in TV for donkey's years, whereas like this is, was that your first time on TV? Yeah. Wow. yeah. So, and then we didn't know, like, so we welcomed, we welcomed them in. Hi, how are you? Or whatever. And then, then we were kind of hanging because we didn't realize we would have so much time with each person. <laughs> it wasn't like whatever, three, five minutes. It was something like 25 minutes. It's like, yeah. okay, so so uh, some questions <laughs> what I want to use, right? yeah anyway and then um then they would say okay so Nola you're gonna do this next and as I was doing things this isn't the first half day first day first of the, my half day and I would say okay do you want me to say more so this is after I've been no just be you and I go okay I mean do you want me to say maybe less no just be you yeah you see which version of me do you want to hear right <laughs> just be you so that was a most inviting, welcoming comment that I'd ever received in my whole life. Just right? like to just be you. But well, freedom, yeah, that's pretty good to be fair. I think that's quite good. Think about it, Gary, because, you know, we've just come from a conversation where I'm talking about, you know, being little and I'm not allowed to be me. Yeah. Mm. And now come a couple of years later. <laughs> <laughs> You've got and the BBC saying you've got free license to say got, whatever you got want. Free license. So then I had to figure it. And the way I figured it was like, 
why am I here? I'm here for the seven participants. What are you going to do for the seven? Anything and everything that they need me to be. Mm. You just be that. You just be that. And it's going to look maybe sometime because the pressure I was feeling uh, at some point was, oh my God, this is going to be aired on television, right? I've got my colleagues and people I don't know, people I know, people I don't know. Am I going to disappoint people? Am I going to disappoint my psychotherapy community? Am I going to be judged? Mm. You know, all of those things that came came in, you know, and I had to handle them really, really quickly, which I did. Yeah. I mean, you were like, uh, I just found you amazing. You're like my Aussie surrogate <laughs> mum over here. Like I thought you were fantastic, so authentic and everything that you did. And you yeah. honestly, you were fun- even as a host, like I just saw you and Nat as like the, the duo yeah. hosts and together yeah. you guys just were fantastic and how you nurtured everybody I, you kind of mentioned some things later on and just maybe think of the word nurture because yeah. that's obviously carried with every part of your life since you were on that schoolyard to you know helping seven adults piece their life together through art so no mean feat it, it was amazing to have you there we we're extremely lucky uh, to have you on the show itself and which was obviously around mental health. So we normally ask people like, well, what does mental health mean to you? Before going into that show, maybe yeah. during and post, did that alter for you? Or does it stay the same? Do you still feel what mental health is? I think I feel even more, I've become m- more strong-minded now about it, having gone through that, because you know we all went through that observational documentary and not only were you and the six others, you know, affected by it, so was I and Nat and mm. the crew and the executives, you know, yeah. it's, it goes everywhere. It goes to all of us, you know? Yeah. We had like the camera guys behind like crying, like they're sharing stories about their past. It, like it, it was really, there was 40 or 50 people on the set and we were all in it together really, weren't yeah. we? Yeah, so there's the ripple effect of all of it, you know. There's so much love in that space. I mean, they didn't, you know, our series was came down to about, what was it, three hours? But we were filming for, what was it, 11 days? Yeah, for over four weeks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot that, that didn't get shown, mm. right? And it was beautifully beautiful and exciting and intense and we were we t- all took a deep dive in the unknown we didn't know what was going to be unfolding moment to moment you know mm. how to be with each other and uh, and you know we had some good fun times as well like you know tracy and the tissue story right <laughs> yeah that was about basically uh, tracy had a moment where she needed to cry and then nula she asked nula for a tissue she didn't have and she said what do you mean? This is a mental health show with a psychotherapist on it and you don't even have tissues? Like what? That went to air, but what you didn't see is I've got my mic on and I'm going, I'm sure the tissues are coming. Uh, really yeah. extreme now. Hello, backstage, backstage. <laughs> we need tissues. Um, I did that about three times. Nah, nada. Nada, nada. I mean, and, and you and I shared a very special moment as well. Yes. When, when I had um, an episode about three well about the halfway mark when we had wendy sharp do the art well yeah hers was the painting the art which is like maybe more the traditional side versus some of the other mediums that we did and that ray said that last week on the last week's episode that that was actually probably the most confronting element of the show for all of us because it really got down to the weeds of you know our past and emotions and things like that and it obviously spoiled it spilled over for me at that moment but interesting, you talk about somatic, which is your body and in your brain. Yeah. 
I had an episode, not because of anything that was happening directly to me. I actually, my periphery saw Mohammed, who was having a bit of a like episode. And because I saw him having an episode, my brain, going back to the saber tooth tiger kind of analogy, thought, oh, you're having an episode now. And then I sat going against that. That's never happened to me before. It's always been something in my own periphery that has led me to being a bit anxious. That was the first time ever where like an external party influence how it went. And that was quite frightening. And what was amazing about Nula, again, going back to her nurturing, is like, as I was going through this, and when you go, anyone that goes through this, you your your vision becomes very narrow. You know, you're like, all you can think about is, oh shit, like this. You don't think about anything else really. And Nula came over and was able to spot it within, I don't know, for me, it felt like probably minutes, but for you, it was probably a matter of seconds. Yeah. She was able to spot straight away that something wasn't going on with me, yeah. which was amazing for me because it's an internal thing, but there's probably somatic things that I'm doing that, you know, you can spot that something's wrong. Yeah. So yeah, I'm eternally grateful for you. And like, it, I, I thought after that episode, obviously it's not nice having a panic attack, but if you've got someone like a Nula there, like which I've never had before in my life. Normally you're in a school room or you're in an office scenario, but to have you actually there handhold me through the process was yeah. honestly like, I felt so lucky about that. I mean, real, realistically, not, not yeah. everyone's got a Nula by their side. So what would, what would in a situation like that Nula, for yeah. someone who's having a panic attack and by herself, what sort of yeah. tips or things they can do? Uh, there are really, that's a really great question, Gary, and, and I can give you a few tips right now for people to take away with them. And um, I can say that one of them, just to plug out the observational documentary, <laughs> if you go watch that series, you will see a few already, right? And I know actually, Neil, to give you some feedback that people who have seen that show have written back to me, emailed me, saying that they're using that in their life. Wow. Right? A technique in their life. So well done to us to be able to have the courage to be present for that and to do that. But basically, when you recognize that um, something is overwhelming you and you will have a different type of, every, the first thing is, is self-awareness about what, what do you notice? Is your heart rate changing? Like, is it increasing or decreasing for that matter? You know, what's your body temperature like? You know, what's, what's your breathing like? What, what does your body feel like? Is it tensing up? You know, what, what are you pulled to do? Like, do you want to run away? Do you want to uh, argue? Is anger, you know, uh, is that emotion coming up? The first thing is self-awareness. As you notice that, you what you want to, what I want people to recognize is that you're being pulled out of present time. I know that you're conscious. I know that you know where you are, but your prefrontal cortex is going offline. The prefrontal cortex is the one that has clarity of thinking, can you know walk, walk, navigate different things, find solutions, is creative, all of that kind of thing. That's going offline. Why? Because the survival, the adaptive survival behavior is, is coming on. And that's got priority over everything in our system. Once you recognize that and also know it's not your fault, something is happening for your survival, even though it's a false alarm. So a quick thing that you can do, and it may take a few moments or whatever for you to recognize everything that I've just said, because you know we're still in this kind of... Um, place where, where we don't have any agency but if you can recall that and and you know bring that to your forefront to go wait a second I need to do something I need to take uh, control of what's going on and then I'll figure out what the solution is going to be 
there's usually bathrooms wherever we, we you usually be able to find a bathroom. So getting cold water in your hand and putting your head into it, right, like that, not splashing, it goes, water goes everywhere. But putting your head into the into your cupped hands and you do that two or three times because your body temperature may be making it too hot. The coldness on your face, it's called um, the dive effect. The fact that you've got your eyes closed, so it's dark and cold over them, the brain thinks that you've taken a dive underwater. And when we take a dive underwater, it reduces your heart rate and your body temperature. So you start somatically being able to breathe more easily, right? Things are calming down. You can still be upset about what just happened. You can still have that, but there's something that we call the window of tolerance. And everybody's window of tolerance, whatever the bandwidth is, is different. Someone yes. who experienced trauma in life, their window of tolerance may be here. Someone who's like a, you know, a monk or whatever's window of tolerance is like this. So it's about having all the feels in here. We have all the feels in here so that you can have anger, joy, happiness, da, 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 da. but what happens is, is that when our nervous system gets triggered and is trying to warn you that you're not safe, we go outside of our window of tolerance because it's trying to get you to act because it feels that it's not safe, but it's a false alarm. So we're, we're creating agency in the first instance. And, be, and every time we do that, by the way, your window of tolerance begins to grow. It gets bigger. So it's not just a Band-Aid effect. So I don't want people to feel that not only have they got issues that they're dealing with in their life, now they've got to be doing this for the rest of their life. No. I mean, that's one technique. There's the one that we showed with you, Neil, on the show, which was to tense the thigh. So I'm just not going to say any more about that so they can go watch the show, right? <laughs> and, Sounds raunchy. Right? <laughs> that doesn't matter. Tense right? your thighs. Tense your thighs, yeah. But everything is about bringing you in present time. And we know that breath work will also help you elongating your exhale. There are many, many, many somatic-based techniques where you can take agency. And if people want to learn a little bit more about it, they can Google the word vagus nerve because it's the vagus nerve that is, you know, if you can tone the vagus nerve, then you're going to be able to control these things. Then you can... Uh, progress mindfully after you've brought yourself back into present time the breathing is one of the, the most powerful i've found from most particular when you're exercising obviously your nervous system especially you're lifting heavy weights or sprinting etc you're you're using the nervous system quite a lot and i found if you spend three to five minutes post session just doing some like easy breathing two or three seconds in six to eight seconds out for five minutes three to five minutes the recovery time between sessions is dramatically improved. Dramatically it's improved. It's almost just, you've just said to yourself, because a lot of people will finish a gym session, say they're going to lunch break at work, they'll quickly go to a locker, grab their stuff, go straight to work. So in a stressful environment, from which obviously exercise, you sort of use as a de-stressor often, but you're still stressing the body, and at the end of the day, stress is stress. So then they're leaving straight into the work environment, maybe back on emails, back into the hustle bustle. So never really get a chance to tell the brain right now, recover, start recovery process from what we've just done. And I found that three to five minutes post-session, just usually lying down my feet on a bench or something like that. And just going through that is incredible. I love it. I love it. And for some people, breath can also be a trigger. Yep. So for those people, I, if I can suggest an idea that they can, you can explore and that's singing. Okay. Hmm. Because singing will automatically 
change your breath. Yeah. Without you consciously having, you know, to as do it. As in more natural? As in it just becomes natural? Well, you're not thinking about... Right, okay. Yeah, what it is that you're doing, right? Yeah. Um, but it's actually it, it is doing that because you have to you have to take in from your you know your deep belly your bellows yep. mm. you know to bring out a to bring out a note, and then your chest expands as well. And then when you throw a note out there, you're elongating it. You know. You also have to think about the words, which yes. is a prefrontal cortex thing. Yeah, I find like with breath work works when you're in a calm state to maybe keep you keep it at bay. But if you're on the through the cusp of an episode trying to meditate or slow down your breath sometimes can actually be which is hard but i think you also mentioned before spotting is another another good one that helps right yeah brain spotting is so it's a psychotherapeutic modality that helps to resolve trauma and i'm actually a brain spotting trainer in, in the Australasia Pacific area. And one of the things that I did on the show, and I'm not sure that it was it was shown, but yeah, we did it. And, and it was more to work with the, what I call the positive neurocircuitry of our innate uh, resilience that we already have, but but we may not be aware of it or we may not be conscious of, our, of that innate resilience that we have because something has got us through different things in life mm. and we just get through it, but it's actually there. So what I would uh, invite you and some others to do was to either bring in a personal place that you appreciate or someone someone of appreciation appreciation is a very powerful word because if you think about it and maybe this is me being you know my bachelor of business day because depreciation is not a good word (laughs) (laughs) less for tax (laughs) right it's good for a tax deduction but other than that So I mean, we're all depreciating, really, aren't we, as we age? <laughs> but to be able to uh, recall who it is that we have in our lives that appreciate us, who we appreciate, who uplifts us, who is supportive, and we have them, whether they're present with us or no longer with us, or places that are like that. Now, what happens is, is that you've got, you've got the idea of that person or place, uh, and then you get a somatic response to that, right? And, you, and so if I ask you, where do you notice that in your body? You may notice it, whatever. You may be in your heart space here. Now you've got this thought, the person, and this somatic cue. And the brain spot is, is a place in your field of vision that is associated to the way that you're feeling. So if you were to look left, and if I asked you the question, is that where you notice that, appre- that appreciative feeling in, in your chest? You know, it's all, no one's going to tell you where it is. You're going to go, no, it's not there. What about here? Oh my gosh, it's here. What's just happened? It just, it just expanded. It just grew. Keep, keep looking at that spot. Now that spot is portable. Once you've grounded that, once you've embodied, found it and embodied that spot, that's with you at all times. You're looking for one right now, Neil? <laughs> I just noticed you. <laughs> yeah, because you, you did it. I've done it with you before. And I'm, I was it just my eye went straight to where. You were, you were just, yeah, that's it. And you can use that anytime. You can be on a bus. You can be whatever you know, and you can recall that. And all and the idea of us being alone dealing with things evaporates, mm. because that to me is a lot about what when we have experienced different overwhelming you know things in our life, and then something happens in a, in a current. In, in this present moment, we can feel like that. On top of that, we can feel hopeless. 
helpless. And, and once you've found that spot, the next part is you, you go from top to bottom, is it? Or do you pick yeah. things around you? Or what way do you like to normally? Ah, uh, yeah. So what I do, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so impressed that you remember all this stuff, Neil. There you go. Oh, well, I, I, I use them. That's why. Okay. And the spotting for me is definitely something that's worked. And because there yeah. is lots of different things you can do in different parts, but spotting yeah. is definitely something that's helped me in the actual moment. So I'm talking like minutes before something, or if I'm right in the thick of it, that's actually one that I've actually used. And how I see it is like you've got a toolkit. Yes. You need to have like plenty of these things plenty in there. Plenty. Yeah. Because like in a certain scenario, the breath work works. Uh, like going to bed at night, box breathing helps with me. Yeah. But box breathing, I won't do it in the, well, sometimes I do do it in the moment, but I feel the spotting just takes my attention away from whatever the thing yeah, is. It's, you know? it's called mindful processing. And when it comes to neuroplasticity, just to add that little spin on it as well, is nothing will change without having a focus on it. And that's what you're doing. You're focusing your attention on something that the brain is aware of. And, and then that grows that, that positive neurocircuitry wiring for you, which becomes supportive while you're dealing with, you know, the other stuff. So that's building uh, capacity as well, right? And so, yeah, we sequence it and you're spot on about, you know, there's a whole bunch of tools and we've got to figure out, everybody's an individual, we've got to figure out when do you use the tool at what point in time along the continuum of, of the experience that you're having, whether you've caught it early on, whether you're midway through it, or whether you've gone over the top, right? So it's not that they, these tools will fail, it's knowing when they will, you know, when they are appropriate and you tweak them for you. But in the sequencing of this agency way of working with your nervous system, when you're doing the brain spotting and you've done that, then to bring yourself, you know, more deeply online, it's like, you know, you name five random things in a, in a color that you've just chosen, five things that are in the in blue. So now it's called you're externalizing. So you're moving away from what's happening from your interior, which the brain spot is already allowing you to do and bringing up positive, positive expression to you. But now you're going, taking your whole um, state of being external and, you know, you go, okay, there's a blue there's a blue couch over there. There's a blue painting over there. But if you notice yourself going, there's a blue thingamajig here and a blue what's a majig there, you're not online. So you, you, you stay until you're able to articulate because your language is not coming, right? So there's five things that you choose of a random color and then two sounds, which I find the most powerful. So when you stop and you go, okay, I've got to name two sounds and, you, and it will without a doubt look something like this. I can hear a saw. And a car. You have to become so present and you're, you know, you're so still. It's almost like the freeze response. Mm. You are really here right now. We're really in the moment. Now that is, even when you listen like that, you, you, like it just shows you when you're going through life, there's so much going on that you're not even thinking of. And when you actually slow down to listen, there's so many different things you can hear in that moment that you just don't even, that don't come into your, your normal uh, periphery during that time. So like, you, oh, I heard a fly or That's there's, right. a creek, there's a creek in the wood. I can hear the trees, but, but you won't hear that just normally. You know, you, it's only when you really concentrate that you actually do hear it. You can do that. I mean, people do that. I think we do that all the time without even thinking in a different way. Well, say you're in a busy pub, busy restaurant, and you're having a little bit of a nosy and you hear someone's conversation. Yeah. You can almost... Safe <laughs> that one conversation out of a 
a thousand people and you've heard the whole story and you're thinking again that's the exact same thing but not in the same not in the same way or for the same outcome but we do it all the time there's also other people who are on the other side of that who speak who think that no one else can hear them oh yeah yeah that's a different one that too yeah well there's a couple a couple other things as well but we'll move on next week but it was primal scream is another one that i've recently come across which is like especially if you're feeling anger and like that is to let out huge scream no matter where you are and that's the whole point you have to do it even if it's in a public area which is a bit weird and like maybe you know it's you it's useful to get some training on when to do because that is quite confronting but i've had to do that with some of the work i've been doing where shouting in the middle of a field you know yeah. and then it's like what's yeah. wrong with that but yeah. It is, it's, it's a great tool to let go of some pent up anger and emotion and stuff like that. So that's quite good. And just also the other thing about talking away out of it, which I know you speak about on the show, I think, you know, that like we can't talk away out of these things. However, you've mentioned there's a, there's a pathway towards where your water spills over the edge, let's say. There are things that you can verbalize in the beginning to kind of like chop it at the knees, as it were. Yeah. And, that's where things like gratitude, thanking yourself, which I know is getting a lot of attention these days, good. But also you mentioned thinking of a fun thing place. Yeah. And I've been working with my coach around this and like I've got an image of my son and I've got an image of my granddad who was a huge mentor to me. So I've actually used the photo of my granddad who's now not no longer with us, but because when I look at him, I just smile and then I think, God, would he be proud of me? And that definitely I found has helped yep. way more than what I would have taught of because I was a very negative nanny like I was like you're shit you're not good enough da, 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 da. and if you're in that boat having just an image saved on your phone is actually really powerful totally and 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 to have it embodied so it's not just a it's not just a thought that you have it's a feeling that you're experiencing that's the powerhouse. You're connecting the two. That's what we call coherence. It's pulling, it's the brain body connecting. It's not your will just saying, you know, this is how, you know, or, or, or positive thinking. It's it's together with the body. That's where we powerhouse it. And that's where the brain spotting comes in because then we find that spot in the field of vision and that anchors it, you know, in a way. So I, I just read that on when I was doing a bit of research and it said you've got the quest technique. So I thought yeah. I'd like to know about it. Yeah, quest is. Um, my gallery asked me if they, if because I also do performance art, so I do you know large scale mosaics, like I did uh, one a sixty square meter one for in George Street, which was for domestic violence, made out of jar lids for an organisation called Too Good, and Amex were involved, and and Lend Lease were involved for that one. Um, I I do mosaic, uh, well that was the mosaics. I do neon signs. I I try to paint. Yeah. <laughs> I do encaustics, which I love doing, and drawing, um, many types, different types of art forms. And I was asked by my gallery, you know, do you think you can pull from your therapy, you know, some kind, an, an art something? So it's, so it's a performance art called Quest. And what it is, is a dialogue of questions only, no answers, just questions. And what we created was a space that was you know pink is one of my signature colors and uh we had pink neons infused in the space there was a rug wooden tables i had made some of those rochard those ink splotches of paper you know yeah people would come in silence and sit in front of me on the rug and they would have the opportunity um, of spending time with me where they would ask 
five questions and I would respond with five. So it's a total of 10 questions. And so they might say something like, and you know, how are you today? And I might respond by saying, why do you care? <laughs> so is that a normal conversation, everyday conversation? An everyday <laughs> conversation. <enemy. laughs> so, but it was written, it was in silence, it was on the splotch paper, it was passed to me, it comes to me, the question becomes mine. So I respond back. I remember that person saying something to me, well, something like, you know, shouldn't we be polite or something like that? Then I responded back by saying, is polite the same as authentic? So we went very deep, very quickly, right? Mm. It's a very beautiful process. And I use, I work with some uh, corporates to do a quest with them as a, as for team building stuff, you know, to, and usually we work on a particular topic. You, well, what in, we don't intend it, but usually when I work a full day with a corporate, and I'm seeing um, people every 15 minutes, there's uh, a theme that comes out. You, and it's a surprise, I know you will be stress, life work balance, that yeah. kind of stuff. And that comes out. So you, it's almost like a beautiful way of researching. By not having answers, you're actually getting guidance through the series of questions. One of the most beautiful ones that I ever experienced, um, I was invited by the Melbourne Contemporary Art Fair I was director's choice to perform Quest there. And a woman came up and her first question is, is it my fault? And I wrote back saying, are you responsible? With, then what happened was in the next few series of questions, there was a, I realized this woman was dying. I don't remember the questions, but it was very clear that she was dying. And, and the last few questions that we had then was um, my question to her was, are you still able to love? And her question was something like, is there anything else or something like that? And then my final question to her was, does anything else then no. matter? Yeah. Wow. We're both, like, I didn't know that that was going to come out of me. Right? That, she, that was a life-changing moment. That was within 10 questions. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty wow. cool, man. Yeah. Ten, 10 questions, right? And we just, we cried. There was tears and we hugged, you know, because she gifted me. Dude, that's goosebumps. So yes. I know it was. Um, so, and that's in my book called "You Are That Is Creative." Yeah, that's creative. Yeah, definitely give that a mention. Um, well, at the point, yeah, you don't have like sometimes there's questions that don't need to be asked or are answered. You know, like well, how do you answer a question like that, right? Mm. Mm. Well, do you know there's a cat, a bit of a, a twist on this this quest technique for years? Me and my mates have been playing a game, a drinking game called the Question Game. You should definitely try it. All right. Basically, say four to twenty people can play it. All you need to do is ask a question, and the only rules are basically you need to look at the person you want to ask the question to, and the only rule is they have to ask back only with a question, any question. So I could say, Neil, how old are you? Neil could turn to you and say, what day is it tomorrow? You could turn, <laughs> but then what happens is there's so many questions you can ask, obviously, but your brain just fucks off. Right. <laughs> you go. Eh, so, um, <laughs> your brain just says randomly things like my friend one day just turned around to me and says my, da my dad's called charlie I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the rule if you get it wrong you have a drink so it's like but it's, it's the same with greetings we greet greetings with questions it's weird like how are you oh how are you going yeah how are things oh yeah how are you how's the weather, how's the weather? Oh, uh -huh. like, you don't yeah. go oh no yeah i'm fine i've had like so and so it's so weird how we greet if you actually <laughs> Well, uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, you know, uh, just for yeah. more perspective, is a lot of tools. We get a lot of guests on, we talk about tools and all that. And I think nowadays we're always looking for shortcuts and tips and tricks on how to do things. 
And one thing I think of the 20 odd episodes we've done is we've got, a, we're starting to get a quite a big toolkit of things people can do for mental health. But a lot of the things require a bit of focus or the ability to focus, like focus on your breathing, focus on a sound, focus it in the moment. And I, I'm from personal experience and from talking to others, I think in 2022, 20, Aye, 22. Distraction and focus are two big things. I mean, we've got so many things to distract us and actually being able to focus on the simplest of tasks or the symbols of conversations. And I can speak again for myself, even try to be a good listener is a challenge because your brain's going 100 miles per hour. I mean, technology is a part of that 100%. Social media, being on our phones, lots of information. And from everyone wants, like you said, you're a lifelong learner. Yeah. I, I feel the same about myself, but often I feel it's the more detriment where I've got, I want to learn so much that my mind is consumed with so much information. I'm always learning too much. How do you see it from your expertise of becoming more present in the moment and try to get, eliminate distractions or become more focused? I would invite people to become curious. Curious. Okay. Because curious is an activity. Mm-hmm. So that gives us something to do because a lot of the hiccups that we have is that we can't do nothing. Yep. But it, but being curious. So I'm here and I'm curious, you know, about you, Gary. I'm mm-hmm. curious about Neil. I'm curious about the comments that you're making. Same thing with you, Neil. So that curiosity keeps me actively engaged in you and not thinking about what am I going to eat for lunch? <laughs> but also in being it, it, it is a beautiful quality to engage with, one of curiosity, because it means that I'm interested. I want to know. I want to get to know you, how you're thinking, what your life experiences are. I'm seeking to understand you at a deeper level as a human, right? And from that, there's always going to be gifts in return, always. And that's how we can stay present in a conversation. And this is one of Stephen Covey's seven habits, you know, seek to understand first. Yep. And then be understood, but we do it the other way around. No, yeah. no, 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 wait a second, wait a second. Yeah, I get it. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, someone asks you a question, you spin it in a way where you give them the, the answer that you want. <laughs> like, yeah, there's yeah. that too. Yeah. Or, mm. or we bombard each other with information. Yeah. Oh my mm. gosh. You know, I, how, my, how often do I see that happening? You know, it's like, Okay, well, that's kind of, that's a lot of interesting information, but it didn't answer the question. <laughs> I just to... Well, I, I find that a lot, and even you might find it, so, in fact, you probably do, mate, is when, say we ask you a question, you know, like, what we're genuinely curious about, you yeah. start telling us an answer, which we're genuinely interested in, but then you say something that sparks another thought in my head. I then struggle to pay attention to the rest of what you're talking about because I'm dying to ask this next question. Yeah. I mean, so I've been distracted or it's reminded me of a story or something yeah. that I want to now tell you. That happens a lot, I find. Yeah. So for me, we become a little bit Buddhist here and we go with the flow Mm -hmm. because it's like, you know, and it's a different situation. I mean, this is a context of having a discussion, a conversation, an interview kind of thing, and you want to take it to the depths that you can within this little time frame that we have. But on an everyday basis is to be able to stay, you know, present with a person to say, you know, that has reminded me of something. But whether you just decide to bring that up in that moment or not because it's what is the eagerness about telling something that's not that's not in relationship to what's going on with the person who's speaking with you mm-hmm. you know you it's like what's coming to mind when you made that comment was when you say something about oh you know I had this experience the other day x y and z happened and well, how does the person respond 
Oh, that's like my experience. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any tips? Because like I definitely am one of those people. Anyone that's listened to more than one episode <laughs> will will already attest that. But do you have any tips? So if you're sitting having a conversation with someone trying to listen and you're itching, you're like, oh, if I just want to tell them about that thing that like... a, sorry, if you if you go back and watch last week's episode, I meant to actually tell you this. I was now into it. It's on YouTube actually. Now we're into it. Ray or something's talking and you can tell you are dying to say something because there's five of us on interview. Somebody else talks before you. Yeah. And for the next minute and a half, you are so edgy. You're looking about and you're getting fidgety and you're just dying to talk. And I can I know the whole time I can, he's not paying attention. <laughs> he's dying to get his story in here. There's something curious about that, but when we're in conversation, I mean, of course, being, and I guess you, you guys are European. Like, teacher, you? teacher, pick me. <laughs> Be, and in, like in, in our household, there's 7,000 conversations going on at the one time, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And somehow they all kind of, you know, work out, you know, <laughs> right? And there's goofery that goes on as well in those conversations and the seriousness and, and heartfeltness. And, you know, it's, I don't know if in, how anybody from the outside could even follow some of, you know, my family conversations, right? Organized chaos. Pretty much. <laughs> but how do you change that? Like in the moment, do you take a deep breath? Do you try and focus your energy? Is there any, do you have any like media tips that can, I suppose that's, is that a bit of the ego going on there? I don't... Well, it's a curious, so I'm here I am with curiosity. Why, why is it an, even an issue? Mm. I would just say it's an issue. Well, I don't know if issue is the right word, but I think for me personally, I would like to be a better listener. That's for me. So I feel like if someone's talking, as I said, even if I'm genuinely interested in what they're saying and I, and I want to hear it all, my mind just goes, oh, I would love to ask them this year. That yeah. reminds me. And then I, I struggle to pay attention to the rest of what they're saying. And I feel, I don't want to say it's rude, but I feel it's almost disrespectful that I've asked them a question. They've given me their insight. And I can't even have the attention span to listen to the full sentence without going off on a tangent. So for me, in that in that moment, you either this is just a silly little practical thing. Either you write it down. Yeah. So that means that it's been attended to. That little, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. It's just like okay, that's quick. You will find, and there's a curiosity with this as well, that you will find that the many things that you will end up writing down, you don't even want to go back to. Yeah, but because it has been attended to, it wasn't as as important, and you move back into the flow. But I just want to listen to you guys yeah. speak. There does. Yeah. I hope I'm not doing it now. But <laughs> and on point, and on point. <laughs> <laughs> no, but is that if you have something like that, you're trying to get it out? Is that you subconsciously having not resolved whatever it may be? insecurity not being heard listen do you think that's like some part of you trying to like resolve well there's something to be explored most definitely you know there, there are a couple of people that are coming to mind that do do this and like this interruption needing to say something having to finish their sentence kind of thing and there is and for some people it, it might be a sense of i have the answer yeah but i know also I, I know i know and like and even when you say to that person can you just hold that for a moment i'll come back to you you know and sometimes you know, that may work, but many times it's like, yeah, but I just want to say, <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm actually talking right now. Okay, but I just know something. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, honestly, that, that's, uh, what you're talking about right now is, I'm just laughing because yeah. not just myself, I feel myself experience that. And I know for a fact, lots of other people will have that internally, knowingly or unknowingly, 
that is happening. And I think that happens more and more now because we've got so much information because we're getting, we're literally bombarded with it and we have, we know more than ever. Oh, don't we know more than ever? We're aware of more than ever and we're getting so much information coming from all angles. Yeah. I just, yeah, that's interesting. That is interesting. I think it's an interesting it's conversation. A really, it's a really good point because it, there, there is actually a dishonouring of, of another person in that process, not that you intend that to be. And to explore what it might be for you because it'll be different. Why is it that you need to pull out this information? And you do, not, you do also become a not a good listener. You are now not on, you know, connected. You're no longer attuned with another person. You're trying to hold on to this thing that you think is like superior amazing that you've got to say you've got to land it you know and you're missing out on everything else that that other person is sharing with you and it's a and they're golden moments our indigenous elders you know on on this land have have something for listening which is called the diri d-a-d-i-r-r-i it's a beautiful thing to to go and read on that and to to know how to be present and because presence for me is connected also with the land Presence for me is connected with the things beyond our knowing. So when I sit in presence, you know, with another and with you guys, there is this these moments, you know, that we are sharing and, and, and also co-creating in this time. And there is, in my heart space, a sacredness to this and fun and enjoyment, you know. And, yes, yeah, so what, you know, I've got six things that I want to say here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. We said to say we've got questions. twenty questions here. We've not asked any of them. Sue and I have used that before, where if you can't come to a, a solution as a couple or whatever, we did do this thing. We should do it more often. It's actually it's an amazing thing to overcome what we just spoke about. So you have like pick a pen or something, whatever it is, and you say something. Let's say you're having an issue in your relationship. You just give your opinion. The other person is not allowed to say anything. When you're finished, you just pass the pen over and then she or he says their part. And it's not about, it goes back to that, your um, quest technique. Yes. It's not about you going, justifying, coming back with an answer. We're, it's only one-way communication, which I know seems counterintuitive, but it's actually very powerful. I'm just telling you how I feel. You're telling me how you feel. We don't need to have answers for it. And you just know responses. And that's actually really worked for us in the yeah. past. Yeah. We need to try and do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Reminded to self to bring that in, in, into play. That, yeah, that's specifically like when you're talking about, you know, intimate relationships, you know, intimate other relationships, uh, to be able to navigate sometimes that they get a little bit sticky, that we're not feeling that we're heard, or when, when we are heard, we're misunderstood. You know, mm. one of my neon artworks was, is it something I said, and then the I said is crossed out and above it is, you know, you, you heard mm. everything is so subjective yeah yeah. everything we you know we could be using the same words but what that word means to you what it means to me mm. set ends you yeah, know that's, that's so and i honestly think uh conversations you talk about sound somatic etc i was listening to a, a ted talk the other day um and he's the guy i can't remember his name off the top of my head it's, a, it's the most famous ted talk or the most viewed ted talk in the world and He's got a book on sound and it's right. about how people use sound, how basically I said everything we do is visual. Architects design things, we look at buildings, but we don't we don't really do things on sound. Marketing marketing now is only just taking advantage of sound. They talk about IBM. Like what's the IBM logo? They're like, I don't know. What's the sound? It's like dum 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 dum. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> straight away. And it's like um it talks about different 
marketing strategies. I think it talked about Schweppes. Yep. There's a commercial in the 80s that they brought out. It's first, aye, that, that's it from the 80s. And from there, it was almost like a light bulb moment of like, oh my God, people are really resonating with this. So he goes on down a bit of a rabbit hole on how sound is so misinterpreted or not used and how people here think from tone of voice. He talks about like seven sins of talking and he talks about ego, talks about tone, talks about like distraction, all these different things, but really cool. Again, talking, it made me open my, I say open my eyes, but open my ears and thinking about how, how powerful sound is and how much we don't, how much influences what we do and how we feel. And... Hugely. You know, you can say to somebody, I love you. And like the way I just said it, right? Yeah. And they go, because yeah. <laughs> okay. right, the sound didn't carry uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah you can say i love yeah, you yeah. but it can be vacant yeah yeah totally right so yeah that's and so it's all of the senses we communicate strongly with all of our sen senses it's like yeah i know you said that but you did, that's not what you meant you know uh, how do you want me to say it <laughs> well, while you guys were talking i was like dying to say something <laughs> You've got a choice now. You can either say it or you can die. Take the pen, sorry. Take the pen. No, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> was, you know that craze that's happening at the moment. Like, I don't know, it's called ADSR or something like that, where people are becoming obsessed with sounds of things. So like the opening of a packet, and it's like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And people are like yeah. watching. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck is that all about? But it's, <laughs> it's like it's a big craze at the moment. I people do it for, for uh, relaxation and stuff like that, and people also have a odd fetish with it as well. But have, honestly, well, that sound, there was named that sound on the radio um many years ago where it was a competition where you could win prizes if you could name the sound oh really you've got, yeah. you got a little sound bite i was randomly listening to radio only like the, yesterday which that was actually going on well it was like is this a human or is this an animal and <laughs> i think i got every single one of them wrong and then i maybe think back to my school days where the, the thing that i was worse that you know you have orals and arrows you know, yeah. where you have to like speak French and they'd listen to you. But the ones we have to listen to a tape, it's all starting to make sense now in my case. I was shocking at that. So, you know, if you listen to a story and then you have to answer a question based off the story, I could yeah. just, I was never able to. Like, I, yeah, I was like, I like, you know, it just, I couldn't, it couldn't go in my brain. Like, especially <laughs> if it was in a foreign language, like if it was in French, like it'd be like, what did you get out of that? And I'd be like, hmm. Something to do with the sky? It's like, no, they were on holidays in Spain. I was like, oh. One thing, obviously, creativity, you've mentioned it, and obviously you're a very creative person. But me personally, and I, I put this question in because I have this phrase, like, I'm not very, I say it myself, I'm not a very creative person. But I know that's mm -hmm. untrue. We've all got a creative side in some regard, and I've definitely created things in my, uh, in my time. But how can people find a creative side? Because I know a lot of people would have the same thought like they instantly think creative you think art but yeah, I know there's more forms than that yeah yeah that's what that, I think that that's what happens is a link to that first of all and you know it's really it, it would be it's so hard to not be creative mm -hmm. yeah it's really hard to not create that would take so much energy to not create to not create conversation connection to not create clothings that may go together or otherwise. Yeah. You're looking at me. Are you looking at me when I say that? <laughs> Camera's on. So the thing is, is that is appreciating that, you know, creativity is a given. You know, we are birthed from creativity. Yeah. We create our lives, you know, 
That's um, true. Absolutely. Uh, everything is, and because, you know, to be creative is a verb, it's a doing word. You can't not do, you can't not, you can't. It's impossible. Yeah, but, but even on the, like to be the devil's advocate, when we say, oh, it's not just about art, but also going back to the ABC show with Space 22, none of us that went in would see ourselves as artists. And off the back of the show, the, the guys put on an art exhibition and Correct. now a lot of them are all painting. And again, it's that subjective of like, well, what makes you an artist? Well, anybody can be an artist. You know, it doesn't have to be a Picasso for you to be an artist, you know? No. That barrier, remember, you'll probably know as well. Remember, Nula, we all had that barrier going, I can't paint, I can't sing. But, but after some training and guidance, we were all able to go at it, right? Well, th this is the thing. So when, when you move from, uh, uh, you know, ex extend your imagination to realize that everything that you do, whether it's cooking, whether it's gardening, you know, whether it's a hobby, you know, with a musical instrument is an act of creativity. You know, how well you do it is another story, right? And I would take, I would like to take the word artist out of the conversation personally. That's a lot of pressure to, to consider yourself as an artist. To me, artist is a paying job. Mm -hmm. I have to make income from my art as an artist, yeah. you know, artistic. Yes. Creative always, you know, and what is it? Is it, it's about how much effort, how much do you want it is one thing. If you're talking about artist, uh, yeah. take it all the way there. Right. But creativity. Oh my gosh. We, there are so many, you know, we had that in place before we had colleges and universities, before the Industrial Revolution. That was always there. That was the way that we expressed ourselves, communicated with each other through song, dance, musical instruments. That was the vibe. That's what we did all the time. It's in our DNA. We can't not be that. We can't not want to pick up a piece of paper and fold it in different ways and say, look, I made a square. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> a rectangle but i made it <laughs> you're like good boy <laughs> but then to be able to pick up because we, we've aligned it too much with realistic like drawing we've aligned it too mm. much with, with realistic representation but you know drawing is more than that it's doodling it's mark making it's an expression that sometimes you can look at some people's expressions on a piece of paper and go that's so cool Right? And yep. it's just been done just from, from their presence and, and the hand and the instrument, you know, moving over, over a page. Same thing with, you know, you know, finding your affinity with a particular material, whether it's, you know, paints, sculpture. I'm also a sculptor, so there's some of my sculptures just over there working with that. And, but, but it is a form of me in the sense of also me accepting what comes of me from me. I, I, there's nothing in my head that says this is what it's got to look like. Mm. No, it comes out. And a lot of my work is, you know, I remember is ugly. You know, it's not beautiful in the way, in the classical sense of beauty, but I love it. Mm -hmm. Maybe not in the beginning when I first started it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also the, the process, which is what you taught us as yes, well. Yes, it's the process, correct. Yeah, it's interesting, with, like let's say Ray, like Ray was a, when he did his first artwork, I think on the show, he's like, oh, it's shit. And I looked at it and I went, holy fuck. Wow. That's right. Amazing. So it's like also like it's other people perceive it in, in different ways, but it's the process as well. Like you're not learning, like, you know, it's whatever you put down is whatever you put down. There's no right and wrong. There's no like, you know, 
as you were saying, like if you're going to do it to sell, that's a completely different game. And then what we learned on the show was it was probably one of the most visceral experiences or ways to express your emotions and feelings than anything that I've ever experienced before. Because if you're trying to convey pain through words, quite difficult, but through art or even singing, it actually can come out a lot easier than you actually think. Some of my doodles. Wow. It's nothing. Well, it is something, but it, it's but it's yeah. but it's not. You know, this is not fine art. But the, you know how much joy I get out of these. Yeah. And how have I made these? I've made these out of Harris Farm shopping bags. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also released, like you know, if you hang hang up all that energy and hanger over that man. But if you, it's another form like the gym or anything else to let go, right? And just express yourself. This, these are what kept me going during COVID because I didn't have a lot of time to, you know, um, because we were all shut down and my uh, practice expanded because I kept seeing people face-to-face during that time, you know. There wasn't a lot of time for me to do anything that where I could immerse myself. Creativity kept me going. Create, when I say creativity, the ability to express myself and play because it be, you, you just become immersed, even if it's just for 45 minutes or one hour, you know. And it is at the same time, um, it, it's exploratory, it's uh, learning new things. Like I've just created this new th- new thing where that's got a, um, it's like a needle, but it's got a hollow on it. Right. I don't know what they're actually used for, but I put ink in them and I draw with this now, right? All oh, right, okay. Because wow. it's the idea of making marks that are non-controllable, you know? Yep. I don't want to control the process. It is definitely a process and I want to experience, you know, the magical. If something pleasing to the eye comes of it at the end, wonderful. If not, I just paint over it with white. <laughs> yeah, uh, that made me think of craft work, like the German, yes. like they were pioneers of music. And oh, that's they, right. Eh? Yeah, when they started, they, did, there was, they didn't feel like there was instruments that could convey what they wanted to musically. So they just started like, creating their own musical instruments wow. um, and that's where like things like the synthesizer and all that started to come out just based on put, like putting things together and seeing what came out the other end so you know you can you can obviously apply that to anything in life right so if you want to for example you know i think what happens one of the blocks is is that we we feel that that being creative or or having any artistry in us is innate that we've either got it or we don't it's furthest from the truth it's what you said before, you know, Neil, that you learn, these are skills that we learn, just the way that we picked up learning languages, you know, learning how to speak, or we have to learn how to read. That's not, there's nothing innate about reading, mm. you know, so why do we think that that's the case when it comes to, to creativity? No, you go and learn a skill and have fun with it and be a student uh, and make loads of mistakes. Those mistakes are going to are going to be serendipitous without a doubt that you are going to incorporate into your art you know they're 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 the happy accidents that happened you know but but if you've got in your head that to be you know creative or to to engage in painting or drawing or whatever that it needs to be realistic go learn from somebody who can teach you how to do realism that is a different thing of its own it's a different category of training of its own and our masters took years of training. They would repeat feet for years, just feet, and then hands for years, working off murals. 
before wow. they were able to pull everything together. They, were, they didn't have it innately, mm. but they had the desire. That was what was innate yep. to, to master this, you know. Yep. But from another perspective, that's, that's one thing if that's what you want. But from another thing, if you want playfulness in your life, if you want to learn how to loosen up, if you want to do abstract but meaning with meaning in it, not just slapping things around and occasionally coming up with something pleasing to the eye. No, it's just like there is there is a process and it's like uh, engage with it, do ceramics, do sculpture, work with your body is what's happening. If you want to understand what, what it is to become present, work with the expressive arts, do body movement, do dancing, do singing, all right? All of those things, it will change your life like it did for some of our, you know, participants. <laughs> I mean, you have me, so. Yeah. Um, well, thanks so much. And we're just You're towards welcome. the end, we, we were going to mention the Because movement. Uh, if you want to give a brief overview to the, to the, to the listeners, that'd be great, Noah. Yeah. So uh, the Because movement, which is my art and mental health foundation. So this is not art therapy. This is about how art engaging with the expressive arts can make a difference to our mental and emotional well-being. And it's research-based as well. So we launched the Miracle Tree last Sunday. We had 14 participants and they went through a little journey with me, which was about uh, exploring a challenge that they had faced in their life, how they overcame that challenge. And from that, what they wanted, what they would like to share with an anonymous, an anonymous other, from which they had a leaf, that they then mosaiced, right? And on the back of that, because this is like taking a leaf from someone's book. And yep. then on the back of the leaf, they had their message for an anonymous other. And there will be an installation. And there's going to be, I want to roll this out nationally, is my intention, that there will be a mural of a tree. It's a very big, very big tree with these leaves on it. Then a person will come up to it. So um and there will be a, uh, the intention at the moment is that there will be a QR code. They click on the QR code that the QR code will say, what's your challenge? They'll write the challenge down. Choose a leaf that resonates with you. They choose a leaf. What is the message you receive? They write down the message. And then the final question is, how might this help you? And then the intention is, as I gather back this information from the miracle tree, is that that, that I can write back to people and say, you know, George, your your leaf was picked six times this last month, and this is what people have said. Oh, that's class. That's wow. cool. Cool, right? So, yeah, very cool. Yeah. So it's I'm excited that that one's launched because and and there's a lot of work to put in into that to make it you know go out nationally. And I want the corporates involved to do it for their team bu building. So when yep. they do it for their team building, that they've all, I will also be able to then do it for a community free of charge. Mm. Yeah, so that's there's very cool. miracle trees everywhere. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a good idea. You can just picture the, the the ripple effect of that then. Through exactly. Ways, so, and ways of community and also people that quite often with mental health or any scenario or grief or whatever it is, you feel like it's uh, I'm the only one that's currently uh, that in the world that is is feeling this, but you're not. There could be a George who has gone through the same thing as you, right? Well, it's your it's a little bit also of your gratitude because what happens for the participants who went through that journey with me they were asked to find the qualities that were present during the time that they were found the solutions like how they overcame it and for some of them they hadn't even realized what was present mm. so that was like oh my gosh so that built them up even more the idea of helping another person from their own life story 
woof, they go like this again, you know, their heart just expands again. And then knowing that one day that they're going to get responses back, it is a whole, you know, Cyclical. yeah, 360. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, because, you know, every day you wake up with a mental health condition, you're more resilient than you were the day before, you know, which even yeah. just look at it from a basic term of that, like you're you're doing amazing with whatever it is that you have to continue to live and have a job and partners on. Like, so it is, you do need to pat yourself on the back. Uh, we all do probably more often but just to close off we we have this fun a bit fun bit at the end Nula, which is yeah. our quick, quick fire zone and we ask you four questions and imagine a, a invisible 30 second clock which i don't think we've ever stayed within that um as we the also book, show showing your book sorry your book your book where before we go the, the that is that you are that that is yeah, you are that is creative yeah, yeah. that is creative yeah Available in all bookstores, I hope. Uh, uh, it's available. You can go uh, online or you can grab it from me and I'll, I'll send you a signed copy. Oh, there you oh, go. Nice. And what's that about? Just very qu a quick synopsis. Um, that's about the question that we were asking about, you know, not being creative, you yeah. know, and that one answers that question because you are. And it also has got a lot of different activities that you do along the way, creative activities, you know, as well as you whatever the, the quest is in there. It's about... There's a process in there that you engage with, which is called called unfolding your creative self. So yes. I take you through a process so that you can actually see you actually do have your own process. Mm. You haven't realized it. Yeah. We'll put, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah, it, remi it reminds you of something that you can pick up, work with a bit, and then put down and then pick yeah, it up yeah. again when you need yeah, it. Cool. If you've hit a creativity block or you're in a bit of a rush or you're feeling a bit low or down or, um, as you were saying, not feeling creative, it's a great it's a great one to kind of spark some energy in you again. Now that's why I forgot you've read the book, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, we have, yeah. I mean, there's multiple ways to connect with Nula before we ask the quick fire questions, you know, like, like you can catch her on the ABC show, which she alone is worth watching with all the amazing things that she shares. There's the, her book. You can go and see Nula, but you need to give yourself some time, which I found out <laughs> popular now that, you know, she's a national superstar. Uh, <laughs> is there any other ways? That uh, workshops. Workshops. Yep, workshops. Yep, yeah. Yeah. We've got one. I'm doing one up in Newcastle Sunday week. What's that? Is that the 6th of November or something? Mm. Doing face to face up in Newcastle. Nice. Oh, nice. Good. And you're on all the socials, aren't you? I'm on all the socials. Yeah. All the socials. Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, let's jump into our quick fire. Right, so, okay. Nula, number one, yeah. when are you at your happiest? Oh, my gosh. When am I at my happiest? If you asked me when am I not at my happiest, would have been an easier question. <laughs> <laughs> you can answer that way if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really, um, when am I? <laughs> I just love life so much. I'm happiest right now with you guys. I'm happy. I know that I've got... I'm going to do some gardening after you. I know that I'm meeting some people after that. Like, well, that makes me that I'm hearing like that curiosity that you mentioned. Like, you're just staying curious. Is that maybe something that? Yeah. 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 Pretty, yeah. Pretty much. I I accept that. That would be you know. <laughs> or is that me putting my thought? <laughs> your <laughs> happiness is a, okay. Let me, is okay. So I'm just now. just that I've had a moment to reflect. Uh, when I'm at my happiest when I feel connected. Oh, brilliant! There you go. Oh, good. Easy. That's nice. Yeah, thank and you for that. The next one is where is your current mental health out of 10? <laughs> <laughs> 11. What I think, what yeah, what I think or what other people think. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think I'm anywhere between a seven and an eight. Mm. That's, That's good. That's an interesting yeah. point, though. Do you think people think your mental health? Well, I, well, my opinion is, like, I think people probably think your mental health is better than it actually is, right? Yeah. People go, oh yeah, he's fine. He's doing like he's doing great. He, he must be high, but the reality is probably a bit lower. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I look at I do lots of things to uh, take. You know, we talk about self care right now, right? Apart from hydration, which, you know, I'm trying to measure how much I drink by having that water next to me. Uh, movement, definitely, because you can get stuck too much, especially now with this online stuff. I do my infrared saunas, you know. I try to balance, get... Nambition cool? I love my infrareds. I do take time out for myself and I'm not, I don't feel selfish for doing so, you know. Yeah, good. And I feel that if I don't do those things, if I don't have, you know, if I don't put myself in the queue of all the things that we, you know, want to do, I'm not such a happy bunny. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, although I, I don't know if I can believe Neil and not being a happy bunny. She's just a <laughs> bundle of joy. I absolutely love her so much. Um, and what about the world out of 10? Where do you think we are in terms of mental health awareness? Four. 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 Yeah. We've had a lot of like uh, low scores on that one, right? Haven't we, Gary? Like, yeah, yeah, have I. Aware that we're also in Australia, which is probably higher on the scale, but globally, probably we're not quite there. Last one. If you had to give people one thing to do every day that would improve their mental health, what would that be? Guess what? <laughs> be, be curious. <laughs> be curious. <laughs> practice curiosity practice curiosity replace whatever you may be thinking with with a curious question oh little <laughs> oh what was the thing we did on the show like i know oh, the, the yeah the, the, the heart? The, the, yeah the heart they're the asian hearts you know the mini heart we did and also somebody speaking if you don't want to interrupt them like what we were just talking about <laughs> and they say something good you can go like uh, no what, what am i doing it wrong you're not supposed to click we go like that that's right is that what i do it in that then uh the poet, poet society, yeah, the poet, poet uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. In other exactly. cultures, that would mean money. <laughs> <laughs> money, show money, money. Show me money. the money. <laughs> yeah, Muhammad used to do that a lot, where it's yeah. applauding. If you say it like a poignant point, like, you know, it's like, I'm with you, you know, I'm with, I'm with your sister. I'm with your sister. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Listen, Neil, what a pleasure. So much fun. Lovely, lovely, totally lovely to meet you, Gary. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, absolute pleasure. Brilliant. Really enjoyed that. He's all right, isn't he? He's not too bad, Gary. Like, you keep him with you, yeah? <laughs> no, really cool questions. And, you know, I'm just blessed that I could understand you. And Neil. <laughs> <laughs> One of the few. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting better. Wait until we're on season 12. Like, <laughs> you speaking proper English right now. <laughs> Says the Irish man. Jeez. <laughs> Thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. And, and I want to thank the audience for taking the time to listen to it as well. Very grateful. Yeah, brilliant, Noah. Thanks so much. Thanks, Neil. Have a lovely weekend. Have a great weekend. day. Enjoy your gardening. See you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, isn't she just... Ah, she's funny, man. She's good. Lovely. I just, like, I just got this really special connection with her, like, from the start. She was just... Honestly, one of the most amazing women, people I've ever met, just from the heart, and just she just led by example and authentic. Yeah, and everybody just piled in behind her, and she was just, oh, she was just she's an amazing woman. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels, including Instagram and Twitter, at These Lands Are Mental. And if you do have a topic or a guest or a subject that you want us to talk about, 
please do get in touch and send in your suggestions. Thanks for joining us on today's show. As mentioned at the beginning, if you are struggling with mental health, please do seek further assistance. Here's who you can get support from. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Fitzier, and the Black Dog Institute.